May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning. And may the words from my mouth be just what we all need to hear today. Well, I alluded to it a little bit with the kids, but if you've ever been there, or maybe you've been the recipient of a puppy for Christmas or for a birthday or just a new puppy, anytime. You know, we see, the, we, we see the TV commercials where the little dog jumps up, the little puppy jumps up out of a box, a gift box, and the kid's eyes all light up. Or he comes running out of another room into the, into the room where the children are, and everybody gets excited because that new puppy's there. It's always adorable, and it starts romping around and giving kisses to everybody in sight. And it kind of gives you that warm and fuzzy feeling, especially if you're a dog lover, like we are. So if you've ever been involved in doing that, in being at the giving end, you know that it's pretty hard to take a puppy and put them in a box and put a lid on them. They don't like that too much, and they don't like to sit still for too much. So maybe you might throw a little treat in there, and hope that they sit still for 30 seconds while you get the kid in the room real quick and give them their, give them their puppy. Uh, but usually that doesn't work. You have to try to time it right, but the timing's usually wrong because puppies just don't stay in boxes, do they? They want to be out. And they want to be romping around and running around and doing their thing and making people happy and being happy themselves. Well, you can't keep a puppy in a box. It comes spilling out and it, as I said, runs around and licks and brings love and joy to everybody in the room. The people who get a puppy for Christmas, what did the kids say? They want to tell everybody about it. They want to show their new puppy to the people that they know and those who they love. And so they start running next door to tell the neighbor kid or make a phone call or ask their parents to put a picture on Facebook or somewhere on social media so everybody can see their cute little puppy and they show it off. They just want to share this adorable little ball of fur with everybody that they can. I think joy is a lot like a new puppy. That's why I titled my sermon, Look at that puppy. Rhonda, I don't know where you got that, but that's an adorable picture. But it is a lot like a a cute little puppy. Now, joy is not hairy. It doesn't make a mess. It doesn't drive you crazy, wake you up at 3 o'clock in the morning. None of those things. But joy overflows. And when you experience joy, then you want to share it with other people. And you want to share it with as many people as you can. It's boundless. It's uncontainable. It's bubbles over and it touches everybody that it comes in contact with. When you're around a person, no matter what your mood might be, when you're around a person who is happy and is displaying joy in some way, it can't help but affect your mood for the better. Now, you may not go away feeling quite as happy or joyful as that person does, but you're going to move in that direction. I'll guarantee it. If you've been journeying with us, For the last couple of weeks, 
toward Christmas, you know that we are celebrating Advent. And that Advent is a very special season here at our church and many churches all over the world. As a quick recap, the word Advent means coming or arrival. It means that something special is coming, and it's a season that's marked by expectation, by anticipating, by longing even for something wonderful that's going to be coming. It's a season that links together the past, the present, and the future. We think about the past when those who were waiting for the Messiah, for Jesus to come, were waiting for such a very long time. That was an Advent season for them, a very long Advent season for them. And then now we celebrate a time of year when we think about the coming birth of Christ and we also think about the future, when Jesus will come again and will reestablish his kingdom here on earth and things will be good, as they should be. And each week we focused on a different trait of God, something different that Jesus brought when he was born. Something that he brought from the Heavenly Father. Hope, love, and today joy. Next week we talk about peace. But joy is what we're celebrating on this third Sunday of Advent. Luke chapter 1 tells the story of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. They were the parents of John the Baptist, a very important man in the scriptures. Zechariah was a priest And he got an unexpected visit from an angel one day. And this angel said, don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. And he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Well, that's really nice. That's really Amazing to think that an angel would come and tell Zechariah this. But what's really amazing about the story is that Zechariah and Elizabeth were both much too old to have kids. Elizabeth was way beyond childbearing years, and they'd never been able to have kids. So besides the shock of having an angel come and talk to him, Zechariah couldn't believe that it was possible. How can my wife, as old as she is, have a child? It's not possible, he didn't think. And his voice, the scripture tells us, was taken away from him until baby John was born. But today, I want to take a little closer look at Elizabeth because she experienced the joy in the miracle that she found herself suddenly in the middle of. To understand her joy, we have to understand what it was like in society in Elizabeth's day. We have to understand a little bit about her pain. You see, for ancient Jews, children were a huge blessing, and Psalm 127 tells us, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born. Children were seen as a gift of God and still are today. And they're a sign of God's favor. To be childless back in those days was not only frustrating if you wanted to have children and and everyone wanted to have children in those days, but it was also sad 
And in some respects, it was even kind of shameful if you weren't able to have a child. Elizabeth must have known this sadness for years. She probably married Zechariah when she was young, as was the custom in those days. And she would have dreamed of holding her own babies. She might have even had some names picked out. At first, maybe not a big deal. Maybe the timing just wasn't right to conceive. Or maybe, we don't know, maybe there was a pregnancy and maybe it failed. Maybe there was a miscarriage, maybe more than one. We don't know the whole story. Friends and family probably offered them encouragement and probably shared in their sorrow because they wanted to have children. They might have offered advice like people do today. Maybe there's some sin in your life that you need to confess. Bad advice, but I've heard it. Maybe they'd say, well, when we tried this, it helped us get pregnant, so why don't you try this? And they had all sorts of different methods and ideas. Or maybe there's just something wrong with you. Who knows? Who knows how long it took, but eventually, year after year, her hope slowly died. She came to terms with the fact that something was wrong, that she couldn't have a child. And at some point, that social stigma would have stuck. She would have been known as barren, an awful label in those days. It became a shameful and a permanent mark for Elizabeth. She would have grieved for sure over the loss of ever being a mother. She would have accepted the loss of the status that came with being a mother in those days. She would never be considered as worthy or as esteemed as those who were mothers. She accepted her fate. She was a failure. Still, she must have known some happiness in her life because she was probably deeply involved in her community life. You see, her husband, Zechariah, was a priest. And though she carried her pain around inside, I'm sure, she and Zechariah remained faithful to God. Luke chapter 1, verse 6 describes them like this. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. This is how they planned to live the rest of their life to their old age, serving God and serving people, even if they didn't have children. And then, yes, then, God came. On an ordinary day, when Zechariah was at work in the temple, the angel Gabriel showed up out of the blue with that miraculous announcement, that great message. And then Zechariah couldn't even tell his wife because he didn't have speech. Maybe he would have written it out or maybe he would have used gestures to give her the news. Elizabeth must have thought that she was getting the wrong message from him at first. This is too good to be true. And then maybe hope kicked in again. 
Could she even allow herself to go there? Even to think about the possibility? Could she open her heart to the possibility after hoping and waiting and praying so long, only to be let down again and again and again? From what we can tell, it seems that Elizabeth had an easier time accepting this miraculous news than her husband did. And soon, she was pregnant. And in Luke 1.25, she said, The Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor. And so joy. Now what's curious is we also read that Elizabeth spent the first five months of her pregnancy in hiding. Now the scripture doesn't say why. Maybe she thought no one would believe her until she was showing. Maybe she just wanted to be very careful in fear that she might lose the child. Maybe she just couldn't bear going through that public shame if she did lose the child. What we do know is that in her sixth month of pregnancy, another miracle took place. Elizabeth experienced a deep experience of joy that was brought on by the coming Messiah, by Jesus, whose life had already begun in Mary's womb. As we said last week, young Mary left her home shortly after an angel visited her, and she went to stay with her cousin, who was Elizabeth. She went there for three months. And the scriptures tell us that as soon as she arrived, Elizabeth's baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a miracle, if there ever was one. Elizabeth's silence and seclusion ended. Her joy overflowed. She greeted Mary with a beautiful blessing. She said this, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the Lord, the mother of my Lord, should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. The puppy was out of the box now. Joy was flowing. And true to its nature, joy was contagious. Couldn't be held back. And then the scripture, the verses that follow in the scripture are, of course, Mary's beautiful song of praise and thanksgiving to God as she talked about the miracle that was happening through her. And finally, she was understood and she was believed. Without Mary even having to explain, Elizabeth knew and spoke about exactly what was going on. Mary didn't tell her that it was Jesus that was in her womb. She knew. Maybe God had revealed this to her earlier. Maybe God opened her eyes on the spot as that miracle took place. John recognized the miracle. John, the baby in Elizabeth's womb, recognized the Messiah. Can you imagine? Think of what a miracle that is. A baby who had never even seen the light of day yet is in the presence of Jesus and knows it. 
and leaps with joy. Wow. More than anyone else in the world was able to, these two women, Elizabeth and Mary, understood each other. And they both shared a joy that could no longer be contained, no matter how difficult the circumstances might be that were coming. And they were ready to face whatever was coming their way. Already Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the promised one, was spreading joy on earth. And he wasn't even born yet. When Elizabeth gave birth to John three months later, the joy of her miracle spread throughout the village, it says. Luke 1 and verse 57 says, Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared their joy. What a wonderful miracle. What a joyous miracle. There may be no joy greater than a mother holding her newborn child. It's a beautiful thing to behold. For Elizabeth, that joy must have been especially overwhelming. We know who John the Baptist was. He was the man who, kind of a crazy guy, would go running around in the wilderness and would go from place to place and tell people, get ready. We sing about it. We've been singing about it for weeks, and we'll sing about it again. John the Baptist was saying, make the roads, make straight the way. Jesus is coming. He's going to be here soon. Get ready. And he knew that. He knew that before he was ever born. But for Elizabeth, there must have been an especial, especially overwhelming degree of joy. She was experiencing a miracle. That's hard to say. And it was a miracle that healed a lifetime of hurt, pain, disrespect, shame in her day. And it was only the beginning of the miracles that were all to come. Joy is like a puppy. You can't keep it in a box. Are you happy? Do you experience joy? Do you feel joy in your heart when you think of all that God has done for you? When you think of all the blessings in your life, when you think of your family, when you think of your friends, when you think of your church, when you think of those who have come and gone and are, are waiting in heaven for you? I hope you do. I hope you experience joy. You can't keep it in a box. Share it. Share the joy of this wonderful season of Advent and Christmas as the days go on. May this be a time when we all not just pause and reflect. Do those things, because it's important. Think about the hope that's to come. Think about the love that God gave us. But then just allow yourself some time to be happy about this time of the year and to celebrate what's coming. And on Christmas, celebrate all the good things. Celebrate the family you get to spend time with. Celebrate the good food you get to eat. I know I will. Celebrate, most important of all, the love of God. 
and the joy that comes with this Christmas season. Amen.